Hi everyone, I am Dr. Michaela Ward. I am the content creator here at Candid Car Conversation. Over here on this platform, we are all about growing ourselves in ourselves for ourselves through the eight dimensions of wellness as active participants in our relationships with God, our relationships with ourselves, and our relationships with other people. Today, we're going to be talking about the foundations of wellness. All of the podcasts that I've recorded for this month have been more or less about the foundations of wellness, but some precursor topics I felt that were necessary. Coming into this, I think everybody has a general understanding of what they believe wellness to be. And if you've been following CandyKayla.com for quite some time, then, you know, we've had many conversations about what wellness looks like, how wellness is an individualized understanding, an individualized expectation, as well as some of the things that kind of can plague your wellness, right? So, so far I've spoken about, you know, how sometimes this wellness journey can become slightly narcissistic and how we can make sure that we are not being narcissistic in that. And the other part is what it looks like to really walk in the fulfillment of God's plan for your life and how that is your ultimate ultimate version of wellness. Like God should be your carrier. He should be your number one. And so what he says is for your life should guide your wellness. Whether you're a believer, you don't believe in God, whatever have you, you can just replace God in this instance with this conversation of whatever governs your core beliefs, right? Whatever governs who you say you are morally and emotionally and all of the things. So we've talked a bit about this, but I wanted to just go over the basic foundation and fundamentals of wellness. Because now that we've talked about some of the things that can shake your foundation, let's talk about the building and the foundation. More so from a perspective of recalibrating, just because that's where I am. But these foundational principles work if you are coming out of crisis, which crisis is how we will define a period of time by which one or more areas of wellness are being negatively affected and you cannot manage them. Um, so typically crisis can look different for different people. Um, it can look like de- a depressive episode, can look like anxiety, it can look like going off on a coworker, or going into this spiral, or let's say you have a mental health condition. I think many of us do nowadays, whether we're diagnosed or not, but let's say you're struggling with something a little more serious, like schizophrenia or bipolar um, disorders, you know what crisis is. It's a period of time by which you are manic, or you're experiencing manic-like symptoms, And I would like to say that it's very important to distinguish crisis levels. So some people believe that you can be headed towards crisis, but not in crisis. I, for the purpose of this conversation, will be talking about that entire process as crisis. So if you feel like yourself is, if you feel like you are declining in any way, that is the onset of crisis. We're gonna treat it like a crisis in an effort to bring ourselves to health as a course correction versus allowing ourselves to go into crisis first and then course correcting once all HE double hockey sticks is broken loose within our, our wellness. So um, 
back to what I was saying about this this crisis piece, um, we can put things in place to ensure that as we are going through life, whenever we encounter things such as crisis or the beginning of the stages of crisis, and it could be whatever it is that triggers us or whatever have you, there should be practical things put in place in order to secure um, a plan for your wellness. I think, again, whether you are struggling with a diagnosed or undiagnosed disorder, um, or you just consider yourself to be healthy overall, I think we all could be a little more attentive in our in our overall mental health and wellness spaces. And in being intentional and attentive in those spaces, I think everyone should have a wellness plan, regardless of how you think you are on the healthy to not healthy scale. Everyone should have one because you never know what's going to happen. And you want to ensure that you can put things in place to make sure that you never do spiral, right? A lot of times we as people go through trauma and because we never knew how to heal ourselves before we experienced trauma, it's a lot harder for us to pick ourselves back up. So I highly recommend wellness plans for everyone, no matter the age, and it changes. So it's a working document. It is something that should be changing over time as you change, as you grow, as you mature. So with that, practical skills that can build a firm foundation of wellness. Number one, a wellness plan. I already alluded to it, but I want to kind of go in depth as to what it is. I have an entire video on YouTube about what it is and how you can put one together. Um, I put that in the show notes. Or if you're listening on YouTube, it'll be linked in the description box. But I also uh, want to add on it and give some prettier principles <laughs> because even as I've began to grow and change, my foundational understandings have grown and changed. So on a very basic level, right, a wellness plan is a plan that you set out that governs a few things. The first thing it governs is what you are like when you are well. So who are you? This requires a lot of introspection, but who are you as a human, as a person, in your inner being, the parts that no one else can see but you? Who are you when you are your happiest? And I would really like to specify here that you should build a wellness plan when you are feeling well. But sometimes that's not the case and it's not something that you can really do. Like sometimes you need a wellness plan before you're well. And I would say at this point, you could have bare bones, but you're going to need to reevaluate that wellness plan. So that's the caveat I want to point out here. I think it's important to note that before continuing on. So if you're in a period of crisis... Um, You can start your wellness plan, but it's going to be very difficult. That introspective work, it's going to be hard because you're not in a space where you feel good. So it's going to be harder to recall what makes you feel good. Uh, So keep that in mind. So wellness plan takes inventory of, number one, who you are when you are well. And so 
whatever that looks like. For me, I know that I'm a very organized person when I'm well. I tend to be on the happier side or joyous, I guess I should say, even when I'm well, but my circumstances don't match how I feel inside, that's okay. I tend to still lean on the side of happy and joyous when I'm well, which is a very um, unique thing in terms of when I'm unwell, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Uh, But whatever that is for you, whoever you are when you are well, however you can take inventory of that. If you're an extrovert when you're well, but then you go into hiding when you are unwell, put that. If you are someone who you feel like you find freedom in certain activities when you are well, put that. If you feel like your wellness is just through the charts, you are a better person and you tend to notice that you go to church more or you're more open or whatever it is, put those things because that is going to help govern your mental understanding of when you are starting to slide away from being well. It looks different for everyone. So put whatever it is for you. The next thing that the wellness plan governs is what you are like when you are not well. And I think everybody talks about it's okay to not be okay. And I agree, it is okay to not be okay. But do you know when you are not okay besides the symptoms that present themselves when you're not okay? What I mean by that is we've been talking about this foundation and this core inside of you, of these core beliefs that govern you. Well, these core beliefs that govern you shape who you, how you see yourself and who you are in this world. Well, from that foundation, there are symptoms of your core beliefs in your day-to-day life. In the same way, when you are unwell in the core of who you are, there's some sort of shift that is taking place in your core beliefs and how you see yourself in the world, how you see yourself to yourself, and how those core beliefs play a part or lack thereof in who you are. So typically you can see that you are unwell based on the symptoms, but in your heart of hearts, what is it that you can use to measure that you are unwell? So for me, that would be a greater sense of depression or anxiety, a greater experience of hypercritical thinking, you know, encountering life from a very negative perspective, not feeling as optimistic as before, like I spoke about. Whatever it is for you, I would put those, but I would also put the symptoms. I like to break mine off into two different things just because I'm very self-aware. And I think our goal in life should be to become more self-aware so that we can understand how our wellness or lack thereof affects other people, which is what we talked about in the last podcast, you should split it up. There should be a piece, um, like one side of it, what I'm like when I'm unwell. It talks about who you are at the core when you are unwell. But then also on the other side, what are some of those symptoms that you begin to see? And so the introspective stuff, like I said, is the I feel, I tend to type statements 
that have to do with thought process and emotional awareness. But then the other part is things that you tend to not see or tend to do in your day-to-day life. So that can be, I stop exercising, I stop eating healthy, I stop feeding my body what it needs, things of that nature. And again, this is individualized. So you being unwell, I would really, I'm going to make a disclaimer and I'm going to leave it there. We're not going to talk about it as deeply, but I do think it is a conversation to be had at a later date. When you are talking about who you are when you are well or unwell, make sure that you truly are being honest about who you are behind closed doors because when the lights go off nobody is going to see your wellness plan but you i mean unless you choose to share it but it's it's for you so if you can't be honest with yourself about those things that you experience i would really reevaluate your wellness plan the reason why i say this is because sometimes we have a tendency to lie to ourselves to make ourselves seem like we are more put together or less put together than we are, depending on if you have a victim mentality or superiority complex. And it's not a bad thing. Just don't be outrageous. You know what I'm saying? So if you currently don't exercise on a consistent basis, you don't eat right, you don't take care of your physical body in that way, Don't put that as though that's who you are when you're well, because that's not who you are when you're well. It's not something that you've established just yet. It's something you can work towards, but it's not something you have. In the same way, um, be very careful about putting things on you when you are unwell that you don't struggle with in terms of saying, for example, when I'm unwell, I cut myself if you don't experience that. Because again, if it's something that you don't experience, I don't think that that's something that you should put. It should be, again, a working document. If things change, add it. But if it doesn't change, don't add it. So be very careful about picking up triggers, picking up symptoms that don't belong to you, as well as picking up the superiority things that make you feel better about who you want to be versus who you are this is not the space in the wellness plan for that the next piece is you need to take inventory of what your triggers are and a lot of us don't even know what our triggers are so i like to just leave this and then as things come up revise my wellness plan so for me I know that I have a trigger when a man whistles at me on the street that makes me feel some sort of way. It is a trigger for me based on some previous experiences that I've had. Whereas for other women, if you get hollered at by a guy, that probably makes you feel good. Knowing this, noting this, explaining not just the trigger, but I am triggered by this because this is how it makes me feel. This is how I heal myself when I feel triggered in this way. Uh, Again, back to the example. I am triggered when I get catcalled in the street. It is triggering to me because 
I've had experiences where men got violent while trying to catcall me when I was not interested. I know that this makes me feel, right? So being catcalled makes me feel like I'm in a dangerous situation and I am unsafe. How do I heal that? Is by I engage using the one, two, three protocol, where the one, two, three protocol is acknowledging verbally that you are not interested, continuing to ignore the instance if um, something persists, and lastly, going for help if I if I feel like I am truly in an unsafe situation. That's how I can rectify the situation on the outside, right? But then on the inside. I can remind myself that I'm safe, practice active coping mechanisms and skills. I can also view myself as who I am in this world. And that is a victor, not a victim. And that allows me to deal with those experiences a little bit better. Take the compliment for what it is and leave the rest. So that's the next part of building this fun foundational wellness plan. You want to write down your symptoms of what happens as you are sliding away from your wellness. So what happens to you? What symptoms do you have when you are becoming unwell, but you are not, you know, deep in crisis? And this again is individualized. We can all identify that, right? So when you are not in a full crisis in terms of three or more areas of wellness suffering, uh, so you can determine sliding away from wellness as two to three areas of wellness not being cared for um, or becoming unwell. So in terms of me, again, I know I'm becoming unwell when I stop going to the gym, I stop eating well, stop feeding my body what it needs. I also know that I'm becoming unwell when I begin to withdraw from individuals in my life. I also know that I'm becoming unwell when I no longer find interest in the things that bring me joy. I also know that I'm becoming unwell when I become tired, lethargic, not wanting to really do anything because I'm barely able to get through the day, right? These things, any negative changes in your health, negative changes in your relationships, negative changes in your emotional stability, negative changes in your mental discipline, negative changes at your job, negative changes in your home situation by how you keep your environment, right? Uh, I know a lot of people who can keep a clean house when they're well and it all goes to pieces when they're unwell. That is me. Uh, But I know the vast majority of people are like that, surprisingly. And again, these are just, when you realize you get two loads of laundry behind, okay, I'm starting to come off my wellness a little bit. I need to course correct. So that's the fourth piece. The uh, next piece, the fifth piece of the wellness plan says, what do I need to do in order to make myself get back to wellness? 
And so these are the active steps that are necessary for you to actually push, pursue, maintain wellness. So reevaluating the discontinuity between what you're like when you're unwell and what you're like when you're well, you should be able to find active activities, practical steps that you could take in order to bridge this gap. For example, if I know that when I am well, I am very disciplined, and when I am unwell, I am very undisciplined and unorganized, the bridging step is to maintain an active organization system. For me, that's bullet journaling. I can tell you that I'm starting to slide off and I'm not doing what I need to do in order to maintain my overall wellness when my bullet journal looks like a mess, okay? Again, this this discipline and organization, for me, it's just one step. For others, it could be your calendar, your planner, if you're starting to notice that you're late all the time, how do you bridge that gap between always being on time and always being late? Setting alarms taking these active steps to become more disciplined in order to bridge that gap. If it's not going to the gym, go to the gym. Even if it's like something small, get yourself in the door. You know what I mean? These are practical steps, things that you can do. And for the gym piece, it might not be just one step. For all of these, it might not just be one step for you. But writing down these steps so that you can always start with step one is the practical piece. So I have multiple lines within my wellness plan where, again, for me, what I'm like when I'm well, I'm organized. What I'm like when I'm unwell, I'm disorganized. That one point for me to bridge the gap is to maintain a healthy bullet journal, right, Uh, active and and on top of the schedule bullet journal but if i exercise when i'm well and i tend to slack off my exercising when i'm unwell maybe there's three steps step one begin walking again get my foot in the door you know get me back into releasing that dopamine and learning what it's like to be sore again and and work your body out. I'm currently there, guys. Uh, Step number two, kick up the pace. Go from walking for a half an hour to running for a half an hour. Or I typically use a couch to 5K system in order to go from walking to running. Um, That way I don't shock my system too much. It just depends on how long I have been away from taking care of my body physically. So through this thesis writing process, you know, it had been about two or three months. Um, I want to say now we're up to like maybe four months of me just struggling to get back into a, a constant routine of going back to the gym. I've gone every now and again, but to actively experience me feeling that thing and doing it on a regular basis and marking results and being diligent in it and pushing my body to actually see growth and strength that has been well over six months. So noting that, understanding that, again, 30 minutes of walking, I can then extend that to 
going through my couch to 5k getting the 30 minutes of running once i've gotten to 30 minutes of cardio i can then start adding in some strength training activities for up to 30 minutes to get me back to the hour workout that i used to have um so for me it's three simple steps for you it might be more steps for you you might not even know the steps <laughs> you just know that you used to do this and now you don't anymore come up with some steps that are going to work for you now I'm not going to say that this three steps discipline has always worked for me. It does now, but it hasn't always. And so trial and error. Try it out. If it don't work, scratch it out. Try something else. And you're going to keep doing this until you find what works for you. And that's going to be your wellness tools. So these, this list is what we call wellness tools. If you know that you feel better when you listen to music and you can drown out the day, that's a wellness tool. You put that in your toolbox. Uh, when you know that your boss gets on your everlasting nerves <laughs> and you feel better when you go home and you can practice some kickboxing, that's a wellness tool. Whatever it is for you, whatever it needs to be for you, exercise that, note that, and make very clear of what these tools are. These should be things that excite you, things that can pull you out of nowhere, I've made it very clear in the past that I have a entire playlist dedicated to when I feel unwell. And on this playlist, I have songs that it does not matter how many times I listen to them. Whenever I hear these songs, I can literally, my mom used to make me do something as a child. It was called Shake the Devil Off, right? And there's a little song that goes, shake, 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 shake the devil off. Shake, 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 shake the devil off, right? And you just begin to shake your body until the stupid fall off and the anger fall off and the foolishness fall off and the depression fall off. And even if it's momentary, right, you put yourself in this space where you can now recalibrate, cross eyes, dot T's and move forward, from whatever experience, negative experience that you're having. In that same way, I've just upgraded that to a playlist where there are like four or five songs, I think, that it doesn't matter how many times I hear those songs, it will get me up and I look like an idiot and I don't care. I begin to listen to these songs and I shake my body until I have no choice but to be happy until I had no choice but to choose wholeness, until I had no choice but to enjoy myself and to take good inventory, proper inventory of my situation and realize that my situation is not bigger than who I am inside and who God is for me. So because of that, I know that this is a wellness tool that works without a shadow of a doubt. It's a very immediate wellness tool and you need some of those, but you also need some long-term ones, like I said, like the exercising and putting the skills in place in order to rectify your exercising. So this is just part one of the wellness plan. Part two, we're going to be talking about making a crisis plan. So when you're in crisis, what do you do? As well as the other steps um, that you can build off of your wellness foundation, besides just your wellness plan. Wellness plan is just step one, just puts things on paper. But 
you need the structures in place in order to maintain your wellness plan. And that is what we'll dig into next time. Okay. So until next time, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Okay. Bye. Thank you.